Welcome to PSQH the Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Lee Steer, Unit Leader of IV Therapy Services at Harford Hospital, about how the hospital transformed its infusion therapy practices. And now, on to the interview. Hi, this is Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH, and I'm joined today by Lee Steer uh, of Hartford Hospital. How are you doing, Lee? Good. How are you, Jay? Excellent. Um, and we're going to talk about the uh, peripheral IV um, insertion project that you did at Hartford uh, to sort of change the way you did those. Uh, but first things first, I wanted to ask you to sort of um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what your position is at the hospital and, and uh, sort of how you uh, got this project started? Absolutely. Um, thank you. Um, so. I've been at Hartford Hospital for 16 uh, years now, and I started as a staff nurse on the IV therapy department. When I got here, there was only about seven, I think it was actually five RNs and two LPNs um, who ran the department. Um, and I quickly became the interim manager after six months of being here, and then the manager after a month, I mean, after a year. And uh, I always had a vision of, you know, wanting to increase the size of the IV therapy department. Um, you know, I always knew that we could just do better um, than we were. And back then, it was a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. Just different. It would, care around IVs was a lot different. I think there was more attention paid to it. And I'm, I, you know, I've never been able to really tr truly understand why things have changed. Part of me thinks a lot, a lot of it has to do with, you know, the, the complexity of the patients that we see nowadays. <laughs> Part of me likes to think that it has a lot to do with the amount of documentation that's required of a bedside nurse. So, um, you know, regardless, I've, 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 as I've gone along, I've watched quite a few things. You know, I've watched the care of IV catheters change. I've watched, um, you know, the technology um, grow in terms of, you know, infrared or ultrasound visualization. I've watched the technology change in dressings and in needles connectors. And I always felt that if, you know, we created the right bundle I and mean, there's a lot of talk about bundles in in you know with central lines and you know making sure that you use a bundle during your insertion and what is a bundle it makes it just makes sure that you follow certain steps during the insertion process um, so I always felt that you know I knew with all the new products out there all the new technology and with experts if you create the right bundle we can do a lot better with proper placement of IV catheters, peripheral IV catheters, make sure that we can protect them um, from all the complications that it could, can occur, infiltration, phlebitis, inadvertent removal, infection, um, and occlusion. And we could protect those catheters from those complications with, with proper placement and newer technology. So that's kind of how you know, I got to where, where I am. I'm still in charge of IV therapy services, which is uh, very exciting. And we're now a team of 23 RNs. Um, so my, my ultimate goal when I first started was to grow the team and, and I've gotten there. It's just taken 16 years to do it. So. <laughs> so you began working on this particular uh, initiative in 2015. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Um, and how did you kind of, uh, go about sort of getting things started? So uh, back then, you know, I was just starting to get into the research, uh, you know, world. 
Um, and one of the things that uh, happened here at Hartford Hospitals, we, we started adopting lean uh, methodology. And um, my staff, um, one of the things that we do in the morning is when we meet, we do a lean huddle. And what we do during that huddle is we do some recognition. We look at our daily playbook, how are we going to manage, you know, the workflow for the day. We, we have metrics that we follow and then staff, you know, enter ideas. And one of the ideas that was entered was, but can we go clinic? Can we go to clinically indicated versus routine site removal and replacement of every 72 to 96 hours? And I looked at that as a great opportunity to say to them, okay, guys, you know, here's our opportunity to, you know, create a, a lean project. Um, and, it, and then what it turned into was really an IRB full, you know, full bull bore study. Um, but, you know, what I had told them was I was like, you know, what happens is people go to clinically indicated, there's a lot of facilities that they do, but they don't necessarily look to find ways to prevent those complications from occurring. So we took literally every complication that can occur with an IV catheter and, you know, looked at what could be done to address it. So, you know, for an example, an occlusion of an IV catheter is the number one reason IV catheters fail. So we said, well, if we're going to prevent an occlusion, you know, let's look at the needleless um, connector technology. And that's where we decided that the anti-reflux was going to be the better device for us to prevent that from occurring. So that's kind of how the project got started. It was more of a idea um, that was generated by my staff. I knew I always wanted to do it, but it was also the best time to introduce it and get started on it because then I had some staff buy-in at that moment. So, uh, And speaking of buy-in, I imagine you had to go to uh, hospital leadership and kind of get their buy-in. How did that go? Um, it went, overall went well. I mean, it's, you know, you, you, it, you know, like you said, we started this in two 2015 and we didn't publish until 2019 and we didn't start building up the team until then. So, you know, everything takes time and, um, and, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I like to think that I'm a patient guy, but, uh, my patience definitely can run thin sometimes because, you know, I do want things done. I want them done right. But I also knew that I needed to collect the right data and I needed to get the right support. So, you know, I, um, you know, I pitched the idea very early on to my CNO, to my director, um, you know, who were very, you know, positive about, you know, me doing research. And I said, you know, the, but the bottom line is when I'm done with the research, I'm going to come ask you for things, you know, meaning I'm going to want FTEs and I'm going to want, you know, more money in my budget so that I can, you know, take the results, if they turn out to be the results that I we hope to get and put them into true action. And, you know, they were, everybody was very supportive. I mean, I got infection control involved. I've got supply chain team involved. I've got, you know, the people from the contract departments involved and obviously the research staff. So, you know, there's been a lot of support here, um, you know, and I know people struggle out there with trying to figure out how to do what I have done. And it, it, you know, as I tell people, it just, it does, it takes patience and, you know, no, no leader is going to say to you, no, I don't want you to do research. You know, they all want research done. I mean, it makes their facility look good and their name look good, you know, so it, 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 it's not easy to do research, but, you know, if anybody, anybody can do what I did, it just, it, it really just it takes time, to, time, patience and getting people to buy into your ideas and thoughts. Yeah, and, and you started basically with the the study. Um, how did you put that yep. together? 
So that again was that, you know, the idea of wanting to go to clinically indicated, I had to, um, you know, be new to research, I had to do my own research training, <laughs> which took some time. Um, and then I got um, the, my, I, I had a couple meetings with my research uh, team early on introducing myself, kind of telling them this is what I want to do. I was assigned a, a, a mentor, um, one of the senior scientists, senior research scientists in the department. So he was kind of guiding me through the process. Um, but I also had to get a sponsor. So I had to go out there and, you know, touch base with some of the people who I would be using their products to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring me doing that study because, you know, doing research is does cost money. So, um, you know, one of the people that I did end up contacting was um, one of the products that we used in the bundle, um, the anti-reflux needles connector. I contacted them and they were very interested in, in supporting it. And that's how we got started. And, you know, then we just sat down, we started writing up a protocol and went back and forth with the internal review board, um, also known as the RERB, many, many times. And probably took probably just a year just to write the protocol and finally get it agreed upon by everybody. So it, it again, time, um, but you know, it all starts with an idea and a vision. And that's kind of what, I, what I've always had for this department, so. And what did you find in the study? So, um, so what did we find? So we, the end results were we were comparing IVs placed by a staff RN and what we were really trying to look at was dwell time. Could we get a patient to have a catheter put in and it lasts from the beginning to the end of therapy? So, it's, so we were looking at our primary endpoint was dwell time and our secondary endpoint was um, complication rate. And what we achieved was 89% of the catheters that we had placed in patients, my IV team using the bundle and using ultrasound, 89% lasted from the beginning of placement till the end of therapy. Whereas with the, with the staff nurse IVs placed, only 15% lasted from the beginning to the end of therapy. And we also um, showed a significant reduction in complication rates. The IVs that my team placed using the bundle, was, we had an 11% complication rate, whereas the, the staff nurse placed IV had a 40% um, um, complication rate. So, uh, and, and explain to you what the uh, PIV five rights model is. Yeah, so that's kind of the the um, the how would you say the acronym we put in for um, the bundle that we created. So the P stands for proficiency. So that is the proficiency being a nurse who is trained um, with ultrasound or or infrared technology to place an IV catheter. The I was the insertion. So again, making sure that um, you were using ultrasound, we're, we're trying to achieve a greater than 90% success, per stick success rate. Um, v stands for vein. Um, so making sure that we're picking the right vessel, mostly the cephalic in the mid forearm, which has the best flow rate of 20 to 40 cc's per minute. Um, and it's got nice, very thick walls making sure that we're um, trying to achieve a catheter to vein ratio of one third to two thirds. And then um, the R is all the right supplies. So again, that, that's the um, using a little bit of a longer catheter, 1.75 inch, 
I'm using mostly 22 gauge catheters so that we don't take up too much diameter of the vessel, using the anti-reflux needleless connector on an extension set, Make, um, using the uh, uh, chlorhexidine impregnated dressing um, to protect it from infection. And it also has, it's a border dressing with, with some good securement to it. Making sure we use all these supplies, making sure that we scrubbed you know, for 30 seconds with chlorhexidine applicator and um, letting it dry fully before we insert. And then the R was uh, doing the right review and assessment. And that's making sure that we, during our study, we were, you know, checking on these sites daily, sometimes twice daily, taking pictures of it, flushing it, making sure that there was no complications to it. So that's how we came up with our PIV-5R. And I guess part of the uh, study was also coming up, you know, finding support for that, you know, different publications that kind of supported what, you know, what you were doing, right? Yep, yep, yep. So we, um, I mean, we kind of knew right away we were going to go to um, the Journal for Association for Vascular Access, but we've also shared this work with um, the American um, um, organization for nurse leaders. So we did an um, AO, we did a poster presentation at AONL um, conference. We also did a presentation at the um, National Association for Certified Nurse Specialists. So we're kind of branching out, um, you know, trying to find a way, because really, you know, bottom line, Jay, you know, as I, I you know, I did this study and you know i did it for us but i also did it for everybody else you know i want people to be able to to you know access this study and be able to use it to help try to justify you know getting teams back into their their facilities and we're tr so we're trying to really kind of cross over and hit as many organizations as we can hoping that we can get the right person to listen you know people um you know there's a lot of attention paid to central lines and and there's a reason for that, you know, we because the hospitals are getting dinged and you're not getting reimbursed for, for mm -hmm. collapses, you know. So everybody's got their attention paid to that. But meanwhile, we know peripheral IV catheters fail. We know peripheral IV catheters lead to infection, but there's no consequence to us for that from a reimbursement perspective. So, you know. I do think someday that might happen, and I, you know, I think I would think that Harvard is in a good position because we're much farther ahead of the game. But you know, I I, I do think that um, you know people just don't pay attention to it. It's it's part of a um, and 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 the problem is IV experts know that it's a problem out there, you know, and it's just they don't have that right voice or that right lit that right study that can help propel them and help them hopefully build a, another team. So. You know, my goal is to try to touch, you know, base with as many levels in a in a facility, as many, you know, licensed providers, as um, just to try to get that message out that this can be done. It, it is a problem. We all know it, and there is a solution. I'm not saying I have the, you know, the the golden ticket, but you know, I have something that worked for us, and and it seems to have um, allowed me to expand the services of my team. So. I guess that's all that really matters. <laughs> so I want to share, but I'd also love it if I had other people who would like to replicate the research that we did so that we could almost, um, you know, validate um, the work that we've done. And I think that would make it more powerful. So. And, and basically once you've, once you completed the study, you went to um, get approval yep. to use it. Uh, how, how did that, how was that received uh, when you brought that in? 
so we spent a lot of time with the analysis. You know, we were happy with um, all the outcomes, meaning we were happy with the complication rate reduction. We were happy that we got a better, you know, um, percentage of catheters elastic from beginning to the end. But in order to get FTEs, I felt that we really needed to develop a, um, a, a cost. And if you look at the literature, there's no cost, there's no literature out there that really says this is what people are paying per bed per IV therapy. So I did some initial analysis um, and meetings with my CFO and my CNO to try to come up with what we thought would be the best way to put this into a um, financial impact analysis. And we, we looked at the number of emissions to the number of catheters we, what, that we used, and then we, uh, we, we kind of broke it down to, to, well, if my team was to do all IVs for patients who get admitted, um, excluding you know, those patients that go to the OR first and such, with the results of our study, how could we put a cost analysis to that? And we did, and we looked at nursing time spent putting in IVs. We looked at, you know, how many catheters we put, what's the average cost of an IV to be placed, plus the nursing time, you know, times all the amount of the catheters that we were using to come up with a number of, of you know, it was like 3,300 and something um, dollars per bed per bed per, for IV therapy. And then we took the study of our, uh, the results of our study and, and put that into that same equation and came up with $1,400 if we were to do it with a, uh, with a team. So once we had all that cost analysis and determined that, you know, by moving to a team-based specialized approach to putting in IVs using a bundle versus our current model, that we could save the hospital about $2 million, 2.9 million not only in, in supplies, but it coupled with nursing um, time as well. And that's kind of how we, we came up with it. So by the time I got to my CNO with the final presentation, um, she was pretty much already on board with the direction we were going in. But I will say one thing, when we were doing the study, we took a lot of pictures of the, the IVs that were either in the um, you know staff nurse group or the IVs that was in the, um, vast group with using the bundle. And one of the things my CNO said, once she saw those, she said, you know, I really didn't need the pictures. And I said to her, yes, you did, because you need to see what the before and after looks like, mm -hmm. because it was a stark difference, so. And basically, uh, you got approval. Um, what sort of happens after that? That's the fun part, <laughs> <laughs> trying to make it all happen. Um, yeah, so basically we had to, you know, post positions, do some onboarding, um, you know, and then train to, you know, our program. And, uh, you know, that takes some time. I'm a little bit picky about, you know, who I bring into the department because we're so small. I want to make sure that everybody, you know, gels well and gets along with each other. So a lot is, it was built a lot more in personality than skill level of the nurses. Um, and then we train them. And uh, then we, you know, we tried to at first slowly take over. So we tried to, you know, take over a unit and then we'll go to another unit. But the minute that everybody had heard that we were gonna take over all insertions, um, it seemed like all of a sudden our volume went through the roof. It was like people just, all the nurses just were like, oh, we're gonna stop doing IVs now. So we ended up having to change our plan multiple times 
Um, and finally, one day we just said, heck with it. You know what? Let's just take it over all right now and we'll figure it out as we go. And, that, and that's what we've done. So most importantly, I think, you know, in trying to make sure that this works is really developing standard work around our job. And we've done, we've, we've paid a lot of attention to that, trying to figure out what are the best reports to print out of our epic um, electronic medical record that'll allow us to do what we we say we're going to do? Because our goal is to round on patients. You know, make you know, looking, getting in to a patient's room when they're admitted within the first 24 hours to try to do an early assessment and give them the best device um, at that time. So. Um, I think that's where you know we're at right now is really trying to standardize our practice. Um, we're we're going to have to do a lot more work moving forward in terms of making sure that you know what I have guaranteed to my CNO that you know it's actually going to to tuition because you know trying to capture complication rates and restart rates and things like that is not easy. It, um, you know, in the um, electronic medical record world. So some that's some of the things that we're gonna be working on this year, um, now that we've got pretty much our standard work process down. And the takeover was basically complete by uh, July of 2019, correct? Yep, that is correct. So how is, um, I guess, you know, since, you know, now we're almost uh, a year and a half past that, how is it, how's it sort of gone, um, you know, sort of getting it, in place and and you know how how have you seen uh you know everything working so it was it was going really well and then covid came uh, yeah and uh yeah <laughs> covid really threw us off um and really why it threw us off mostly was because we were able to be able to go into every single room and look at their iv site and change it or leave it because we were all in a preserve ppe mode so we had to kind of revert back to our old method and wait for the nurses to call us to be able to put the IVs in. COVID then went away. Um, I also actually had to um, redeploy a few of my nurses to some of the other areas um, to support patient care. Um, so we even dropped down in our in our in our volume of nurses. Um, so um, I always throw that in there because it definitely uh, has you know thrown a wrench I think into everybody's you know workflow and care. Uh, but now that it, it, I shouldn't say it went away because it never went away, but once the volume started going back down, then we got back into our standard work. Um, you know, it, it's 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 going well. I mean, as I always say to my staff, you know, we didn't, Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, we're on a journey, you know, it's, it's we're, we're just going to constantly be, have to keep kind of tweaking, you know, what we do, how we do it. You know, we we have basically four nurses on a day from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. and we split the hospital up in four different ways um, and that includes the ancillary departments because you know our volume there has gone up drastically as well um, so I, I in you know I've tried to understand why that happened at the same time and I'll, I'll explain that in a minute so I think you know it's 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 constant you know and, and I in you know the, the staff understands what they need to do you know, and I think out on the floors, you know, one of the measures that I, I love is when I walk around, I don't hear as many pump alarms going off. Um, I don't, you know, the complication rates seem to be much lower. Our patient satisfaction scores had gone up um, last year. 
actually um, not only did our it, did it go up in our um, H caps regarding um, placement of peripheral IV catheters, but actually we met our balanced scorecard initiative of our patient satisfaction score exceeding what we had set for our target, which was great. So we knew that we had contributed to that. Um, so I, you know, I think it's it's going well. You know, there's a there's always something that's going to have to make us change our way a little bit. And I, you know, for example, like there's obviously a big push to keep central lines down um, and only put them in when appropriate. So there's a lot of pushback from physicians to not put, you know, these central lines in these difficult patients. So one of the things we're doing this year is we're going to train every single staff member to be able to drop midlines in so that we can start. We can, I need to give them another tool to use so that we're not constantly putting um, IVs in and just band-aiding it. Um, so, and the other thing that we're going to do, and this is just about to happen, we're going to do a survey monkey to the staff um, to get some feedback from them on how things are going. And I, I, I'm pretty confident that we'll have some pretty good um, comments and some pretty good feedback. I think people are really appreciative. And these are conversations that I've, I've just sort of anecdotally had with nurses on the floors. They're, you know, they, they're, they're happy. You know, they, they feel that they're not running and dealing with as many pump alarms. They feel confident that they walk in, they have a good IV site placed, and they know that we're, you know, if it, if it doesn't, the IV does go, we're pretty uh, fast in our response to get up there and put a new one in. And speaking of training, how much training was involved to to get, you know, staff to kind of learn the new approach? Yeah, you know, everybody's a little bit different, but, you know, on average, it takes about three to four weeks. And most of that training is really just trying to get them very comfortable with the ultrasound. Um, you know, using ultrasound requires different muscle movements. Um, and, you know, the, if, I'm sure you've heard the, the terminology muscle memory, mm -hmm. you know, when you're, when you're doing a regular IV without ultrasound, you, you develop this muscle memory. Um, and when you try to go to ultrasound, it really can throw you off a little bit. So that was the biggest learning curve. Um, one of the things we're also going to be doing this fall, because now that we've got all the staff, we've onboarded everybody, we're going to bring back everybody um, to do some mandatory education just on the PIV five rights, you know, where, what's our vision, what are we trying to achieve, just to make sure that we're all, again, still on the same page, which I think we are, um, but it never hurts to regroup and just get everybody back in the same room and just say, hey guys, you know, what's, how's it going out there, you know, how, how do you feel we're, you know, doing with our, with our vision, what do we need to do differently, so it'll be some, some um, so again, it, it's part of, to me, training is, is sort of a fluid ongoing process. So the first three to four weeks are really just getting them comfortable with ultrasound guided placement so they can independently go out there and do it on their own. And then learning just continues, you know, and we're constantly having discussions in our morning huddle about certain patients that, you know, we seem to be having to go visit too much and you know what are different alternatives that we can do for that patient you know who do we need to get involved so learning's ongoing and you've been you know obviously spreading the word about this um the initiative uh you know you did an article for psqh back in october yeah. called the right approach for the right result which I, i'll direct people to that it's uh, excellent and very in-depth um and you know, obviously you've been speaking at conferences what kind of reception have you gotten from people oh people love it i mean it's you know i've um 
I wasn't able, obviously Ava was virtual this year, yeah. but I know that, you know, um, our, our whole project, our whole work, it came up a few times um, in different people's lectures. Um, I do know that it was one of the, uh, the highest viewed articles in 2019 was, the, was our study. I think people are very interested. And I think people look at this as great work. We would love to get it in our facility. How do we go about doing that? Um, and, 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 you know, it's exciting. It's exciting to know that nationally we're being recognized, maybe even internationally. Um, you know, it's really exciting for me um, as a manager and, it's a fair, and I'm always telling my team how much, you know, kudos we're getting um, regarding our work. Um, because I think sometimes, you know, when you're in your own facility, you, you kind of forget that, you know, um, I, I shouldn't say forget, but you just, you sort of just, become part of your culture and you don't really know what's going outside in another world. And just the other day, one of my staff members had had a, did all the virtual uh, meetings on Ava and she came back and said, we are super advanced. And I said, we are, you know, and you guys need to know that. So it's, it's, it's great to have the recognition. Again, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a modest guy, uh, maybe not, I'm not, but <laughs> I like to think that, you know, I, I just, you know, to me, it's about the patient, you know, and, and the bottom line is, you know, I, I, I've watched what goes on with IV therapy over the years, and I've seen patients who've come out and said, I've got stuck eight, nine, 10 times before somebody from IV came down and put an IV site in, and it, it's just not fair, you know, it's not what patients want. Um, and the problem is, I think patients expect that that's going to happen to them when they go into the hospital, and it doesn't need to be that way. So, you know, part of my, you know, going around nationally and trying to spread the word is, I just want the right thing done for patients. And, you know, it's, an IV affects 90% of every patient who gets admitted to the hospital, and we, we just need to do better with it. So, and I think that the culture in my hospital, and I, I, I talked about our outpatient volume going up so, so much. That's one of the biggest things that excites me is I think here at Hartford is I think the nurses out there are really starting to recognize that, man, we got this team who can really do it right the first time. And they're they're avoiding that, you know, making an attempt just to say they made an attempt. You know, mm -hmm. if they don't see anything, they just call us if they, you know, don't feel like they have the right skill level to insert it you know, they call us. Um, so it's, and that's, that's to me, very rewarding because I knew, I know what was going on prior to this. You know, I do know that patients were getting stuck too many times, um, whether in the ED or whether it was on the floor or whether it was in the outpatient area. So, you know, it's, that's, it's not fair, like I said, and we just, I'm just trying to make a difference for the patients. And I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad I've had this opportunity and I'm glad it's, it's turned out to be what it is. And I just hope that other people can do it as well. Well, uh, congratulations. And uh, I want to thank you for joining me today, Lee. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. This was great. I, I love talking about it and, um, you know, just uh, love spreading the word. All right. Thanks a lot. That wraps up episode 18 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you join me next time. You can find more information about the podcast and listen to on-demand episodes on the show's page on psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.